0: You are Locked On Kraken, your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked On Podcast
1: Network, your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken.
0: But let's start... From the beginning, it's a question I like to ask people, especially in, in the sports space, but when did you fall in love with sports? And even more specifically, when did you fall in love with hockey? Because you're also a hockey player.
1: Correct. I was a kid, Erica, with tremendously low self-esteem. I was the type of kid back in the day that would be in my room listening to the radio to depressing ballads. <laughs> they call it yacht. yacht yacht rock now (laughs) but back in the day you know i'd be listening to uh you know uh singer-songwriters you know from gordon lightfoot to jim croce to harry chapin to the carpenters and i wasn't listening to the happy songs I was listening to the depressing songs, the loneliness (laughs) songs, the breakup songs, even though I didn't know what a breakup was back then. (laughs) But I I just could relate to it because I was a lonely girl. I really didn't have friends. Um, It's not like I grew up in this awful community. My parents were middle-class parents. Uh, I'm one of four kids, you know, and I, I just felt very alone. I was a kid with glasses, really thick glasses back in the day and um you know i just had tremendously low self-esteem so i started to get to your earlier question i use sports to fill that void um to to have something to look forward to and i'm talking about being a fan first so when my dad is such a group in on long island and New York teams was my dad's jam. Not all New York teams, but you know, for him, it was the Rangers, the football giants. Uh, those were the two big ones. He loved the Yankees. I grew to love the Mets. And then we both loved the Knicks. And um, that's where it began for me. Actually, I was a Knicks fan first of all the sports. Because it was the early 70s and they were actually winning championships. Yeah. I know youngsters are, can't fathom that, that, the Knicks were actually relevant, but back in the day they were. <laughs> and I remember like this classic story my, uh, my dad uh, took me to a, a shopping mall uh, on Long Island. It's called the Smithhaven Mall. I don't even know it's still there. But I think right after uh, the Knicks won that second championship in the early 70s, um, there's like three New York Knicks stars came to the mall (laughs) and each one was positioned at a corner of the mall on a stage. (laughs) And I'll tell you the things we remember, Erica, I remember because Walt Frazier, Walt Clyde Frazier was my favorite because he was so cool. And, you know, fun and obviously a, co- a great player. And I, I i was a little girl, I was like eight years old and I kind of snuck right up to the front of the stage there. <laughs> and I remember him like looking down at me and saying, wow. Now I looked at it like, oh, wow, he was talking to me, blah, 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 you know, really excited little girl. but. He was just so excited with the turnout, I'm sure. (laughs) And and so that's my first like real memory besides, you know, watching games with my dad of just like, you know, really getting the whole athlete thing Mm. and really um, finding this connection. And sports really did that for me. You know, music did it for me and sports did it for me. Filled a void because I had such low self-esteem
0: well, wow! <laughs> what a spring! <strength. laughs> I mean, I can relate as a New Yorker myself. Uh, I grew up in the '90s, so we thought we were going to get a taste of the '70s Knicks, and it didn't quite work out.
1: <laughs> no, it didn't. But I got. But did we get into it? Like it was. We really did. Exciting. I and still like, remember. I go New York! Go run. New York! Go. Yeah, but, that, <laughs> that run against you know we had a run up against David Robinson and the San Antonio Spurs. Sadly. But we had something magical. As a matter of fact, I ran into Alan Houston at a Rangers game this postseason. And we were like reminiscing and talking about like the good old days and how close uh, they indeed came. But yeah, Erica, I mean, (laughs) once a fan, always a fan.
0: That's true. And I love that you bring that to the work that you do, because now me being in the space and not coming from journalism school or anything, it's definitely something that I notice is... Um, something that is a little bit of a lost art in some ways. I think yourself or, I mean, Sarah Spain is another great example. She is unabashedly a Chicago sports fan, and I love that. <laughs> um, but I, 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 before we go into that, I do want to get to your time at ESPN, obviously, 30 years. That's amazing. But I wonder when you – we're playing hockey. Did you ever have an idea? I mean, I knew I know that you know sports, and a lot of us who know sports, of course, we listen to, especially growing up in New York, WFAN. Even you right. know after, after Mets games, it used to drive me crazy. I'm like, we just saw the game. Why do we have to listen to the radio? <laughs> and now I'm the person talking post game. But um, you know, uh, I wonder if you ever made a connection to what a career in sports could be if you weren't the athlete.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I, it was something because I played hockey, uh, which gave me purpose and value. By the way, being a goalie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you're you're either the person that saves the game, or you're not, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, you can blow the game, um, but I loved that challenge, and I loved having people depend on me uh, for that monumental task. You know, this girl who, like me, who, you know, didn't go to her senior prom, who played on her on the boys team in high school my senior year, which was much more exciting than going to a senior prom could ever have been. Um, you know, I always felt like I because I played, sure, it's a different level than professionals, but I felt I could relate and I could be a better broadcaster because I kind of know what you feel as an athlete. Plus, I'm so competitive. And I never even thought about that, Erica. Like, if I wasn't an athlete, would I be as competitive? And I think probably, I probably would have been because that's the New Yorker in me, right? I mean, we... We just keep pushing and we really don't take no for an answer.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, so, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of my New York roots. That's why I did not work on getting rid of my accent. Um, <laughs> you know, when I, when I, and I'm proud of that. Like people say, oh, I'm like, you know, before ESPN, I worked in Seattle, Washington at TV. Uh, it was my big break, actually, after I was working seven days a week doing freelance radio in New York from, everywhere from you know WFAN to ABC Radio Network. But the Seattle job really um, lifted me because it, it gave me a chance to do TV. The reason why I bring that up is, you know, back in the 89, I worked there from 1989, right before I got the ESPN job in July of 92, um, people couldn't handle my New York accent. And so back <laughs> then I was trying to lose it, thinking that was the way to go but thank goodness um, I got to ESPN a few years before they allowed us to to let our personalities come out, <laughs> and 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 that's uh, was a huge step in my 30-year tenure at ESPN when you know they hired a real advertising company to put together those commercials for us. <laughs> and bring out our personalities for This is SportsCenter. And it really helped the breakthrough of SportsCenter as must-see TV. And, you know, I'd be remiss. And every time I do one of these interviews, a retrospective interviews on, you know, moments, uh, periods of time, uh, I bring up my good friend, the late, great Stuart Scott, because this man, Help change everything at ESPN.
0: Right now, I'm going to tell you about Built Bar. I told you this last week, but I finally got to try the, uh, I tried the Mud Pie Puffs. Wow. So good. So good. So now they have a new flavor that I'm super excited about as well. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar Bar. Uh, but uh, you gotta stop drooling and listen to this one because it is a chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate, like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. See, the puff flavor is not just a marshmallow, but when it has a specialty flavor, like they kind of add that flavor to the puff. So, Amazing, and all built bars are made with a collagen protein which your body absorbs more efficiently, and it has so many health benefits. I've talked about it, your hair, your nails, things like that. And of course, it tastes good while you're doing everything you can to feel at your best. The best part of the puffs is that they taste amazing, uh, it's just what you need to get the protein intake keep the sugar low, and also satisfy your sweet tooth. Uh, so if you need a quick, healthy snack, Built Bar is an excellent source of protein. So go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15. That's going to get you 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 at Bilt.com. Happy snacking. We didn't
1: want to hear from anyone that, oh, look, you know, Stuart, you know, you can't be a North Carolina Tar Heels fan. You can't let people know, blah, blah, blah. And I would watch Stuart, you know, do his thing and let people know how much of a fan he was to the Tar Heels that was in his DNA. And, you know, that helped me let myself out and be the Rangers and Giants fan that everybody associate me with and Mets fan. (laughs) Um, But it was because combination of just Stewart being Stewart, and then ESPN, you know, spending some serious money on and realizing it's okay to have the anchors personalities come out. Because that was the thing that when people say, Linda, how did you last so long? Or even back in the day, like when things were exploding all around you, still there are main, main cog of Sports Center. And I said, it's because I haven't changed. My goal always, Erica, was to yeah be a fan first because that doesn't change. That's me, that's my authentic self. But to connect to the viewer, the ESPN fan is a sports nut, you know, like me, right? Like you, like, I mean, and I, and I knew if I can connect to them and get that across to them through the screen that I too am like them, then we would have something there and it would be everlasting.
0: Thinking about, um, and the reason I asked you about if you had ever thought as an athlete about being a broadcaster is because for for people like me who grew up and i happen to be a new yorker but you reached much wider than that with your tenure at espn but um you were one of the people that i remember seeing and so there's other representation that sometimes i didn't always see but i always saw women i saw robin roberts i saw you you mentioned Stuart scott you know i saw these. these are people who as you said taught me how to be a sports fan. Um, But I would imagine that even as I'm experiencing that, that being on the other side of the camera was a unique experience. You know, ESPN had that great uh, 30 for 30, uh, let them wear towels. And you you know, you were coming right off of a lot of that. And so what have you seen as the transition, um, even just in your career, as far as women in sports broadcast?
1: Yeah, a couple of things there, uh, especially with the women thing and what I had to deal with. Uh, thank goodness women nowadays don't have to deal with it. Um, I, you know, most athletes have always been good to me because um, they watched me. It was the only game in town, Sports Center. So they knew I knew what I was talking about. And that was really important to me to get the athlete's respect. Uh, I, you know, maybe I put them up on pedestals, Erica. I'm guilty as charged. You know, again, that comes with being a fan. I did put a bunch of them on pedestals and a couple of them that came back to haunt me because uh, whether it was religious beliefs by these certain athletes or they just had a, a you know, pre existing condition mentally about having a woman in the locker room and the clubhouse or wherever. Um, I had to fight through that and battle through that. I'm not going to say that there was a time. You know, uh, many years ago in 2008, I wrote uh, a funny look at myself, an autobiography called Conehead, a no holds barred account of breaking into the boys club. And I brought this up where I had a situation in Seattle uh, with the Seahawks that a star player, you know, I, I went into the locker room after a Monday night game. The next day at practice, I'm waiting outside like all the media did back then for the players to come out. And he basically ripped my head off uh, in front of my colleagues, you know, my fellow reporters, sports reporters, Seattle beat writers, you name it. And I, I looked around and I, why is he doing that? Like, I, maybe I was in my own little bubble, Erica, where I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I was just doing my job. I don't get it. And sadly, at that time, which was, you know, 1990, um, you know, I looked around at my, you know, colleagues and fellow reporters and they didn't come to my aid and that was disturbing and you know that's how much things have changed for the better for women now since that time many years later that player uh wrote me a letter and apologized for his actions yes a handwritten letter wow uh you know type of thing um realized he was at fault but um you know i've since moved on from that but i I bring up these stories and that's just one of them, or whether you're, you know, I'm covering a, you know, I remember covered a bunch of Met games in New York, um, Yankee games, uh, you know, and just get treated awful in the clubhouse. Like baseball players were always the worst of the big four sports. They just seem like they grew up on a, in a cave. Like, you know, I, again, I'd be like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. I didn't yeah. I'm not looking at you. I'm want to get the hell in and out. You make me uncomfortable. <laughs> Forget me right. making you uncomfortable, right? I mean, very true. <laughs> I mean, I don't I didn't make these rules. Um so, you know, and I try when I talk to young people, especially young women, um, you know, I try to help them in other ways to you know, put themselves on the map to be them, which is very important. Don't try to be anyone else, but realize that things are so much better now. And instead of like trying to dig up things that are like, well, why didn't, why wasn't this handed to me or given to me or what? I mean, look around. I mean, the the oyster is yours. It's open for you to conquer. Um, Sure, is there still room to improve for women everywhere? Uh, in the sports field, absolutely. Uh, do we still have to uh, prove ourselves more so than men? Yes, we do. That hasn't changed. But for me and for those young women, women like yourself, Erica, that's okay. You know, I mean, you know, I always talk about, you know, one of the stories about, it took a young hockey player named Sean to, and I keep repeating this story because I love this kid so much. He plays for the LA Kings. 23 years old and I was telling him how I I went through my whole career wanting to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I felt that way too. And then I realized, you know what? It's negative. Sean told me, he goes, instead of proving people wrong, he says, I tried to then prove to people that supported me that they were right all along. And I Mm -hmm. just love that positive spin. I was like, oh my God, this guy's 23 years old and he just taught me something at this age <laughs> of the game. And, and, and it was just great. So that's what I try to share with young women like yourself as well, that let's look at how far we have come. And yes, we have a ways to go, but we'll get there. And we have to keep supporting each other. And I want to throw in one other thing, Erica, before I forget, because I think it's the most important. I think we have a long way to go in the aspect of having women in management. I mean, that's where we need women. We need women that can hire. We need women that could uh, use their expertise and guidance to help other women move up in the ranks. Uh, Until we have more women in management positions that can, you know, be the CFOs and the CEOs, uh, the big change that we're looking for uh, will be a ways away. But I think we're heading in that direction. We have to keep pushing for that.
0: Wow, I love that. I mean, literally, you are talking to me. I mean, and Michelle is here. But I also feel that you're talking to me. I mean, and, and you know, I, I love it. I, I think that there's so much. I love that story of taking that positive spin and and just uh, what I hear. And it, it fits with what you have been saying is sit within yourself and and what you bring and, and what your goals are. And I think that's such great advice. And I, I mentioned I did want to go back to radio because I think we're in this really – I mean, we're, we're talking on a – it's a video podcast, but it's a podcast. And I think that, again, being from New York, I, I, I can honestly say I don't really know what sports radio is other places. But New York sports radio is is kind of a, a big deal. <laughs> and the personalities are wide-ranging, and so is the volume. The volume is up. <laughs> and so <Right>. I wonder <laughs> – I want to ask you, when you think about now where the where the industry is, what are some of the things that you learned coming up in sports radio that you think now fit, even as media has changed with new media and video becoming more popular? You know, what are the things as far as your roots and in your repertoire and in your radio toolkit that you rely on on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, I can't tell you enough, Erica, how radio helped me become the broadcaster that i am today sports talk radio and thank goodness i you know i fill in part-time on sirius xm mad dog sports radio and sirius xm nhl network radio and being having those stages have helped me hone my skills whether it's soloing for three hours and taking phone calls so connecting with the fans that way Um, but that has helped me in my first year in the podcast scheme with Emily Kaplan, our In The Crease podcast, which we just finished um, the first year, because um, some things never change. And what hasn't changed over the years, whether you're hosting a podcast or you're hosting your sports talk radio, is that you are having a conversation. Uh, You don't wanna sound like you're reading something. Mm -hmm. You wanna sound like you're having a conversation, that you're just talking with someone and they happen to be eavesdropping. Right. I mean, yeah. that's basically what the podcast is, you know, they're eavesdropping on your conversation that you're having, even if it's with yourself. And that's how I am when um, when I'm hosting Sports Talk Radio, like I get to fill in a lot uh, for Pat McAfee uh, and also filling in for uh, Christopher Mandel Russo a lot as well. And why those two are are very good. They're two different styles. The dog, as you know, growing up in New York, Erica, I mean, the guy's a legend. Uh, he's just, he just yells and screams. I I love it. Like, I and it's real. Yeah. Like, it really bothers him. He's not like, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna take this take today so I can get calls and get people fired up. No, he's like, okay, what's going on today? All right, here, how do I feel about it? Okay. And then he fires away like the dog he is. And then you have Pat McAfee, who kind of has followed that Dan Patrick playbook mm-hmm. of having a bunch of people around him. And, you know, like it or not. And of course he, you know, he'll he'll use every F word in the book and you know, and then he's allowed to do it, whatever. That's okay. I mean, it's a different style. Yeah. But he has people around him yesing him and and saying how, yeah, you're right, Pat, you know, great. But I think it's harder than to do what the dog does and what I do when I'm solo, taking phone calls, getting my opinions in, and and not being shy about it. I think that's important. So whether you have a podcast, whether you host the sports talk radio show, you must have opinions. Let's go to one of our other sponsors.
0: This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with ever increasing makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why would you endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating question about is this an EX or an LX or uh whatever the case is? How many makes, how many models for something that basically looks the same? Who knows? So save time and money. When you use rockauto.com it's a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years and they have everything that you could need brake parts tail lamp motor oil and even new carpet so go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car your vehicle whatever you're driving and then type locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know We sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
1: So, um, but man, it takes a lot of work. People think you can show up and do radio or get a podcast together. You really have to be prepared, you know? What are some of your biggest takeaways from the return of the
0: NHL to ESPN as you are celebrating 30 years. Uh,
1: the hockey was great. You know, I, I was hoping for this. I was one of the few people that left the light on for it. Uh, I finally returned. Um, you know, I think ESPN overall did a you know a great job getting back into it. The sport has changed in the 17 years since it last had it for the better. Speed and skill and strength and personalities. Um, they sort of had their mind made up on certain talent groups I wouldn't be surprised if there's some changes heading into next season, Uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, you you don't rest on your laurels, you, you make adjustments, you hone things to be even better than you were in your first year. And I believe that's what ESPN will do, but it was just so great to bring in the casual sports fans of hockey in the day of social media. But that is the impact of having such an amazing sport on ESPN, and I think they and, and for me personally, I never thought in this day and age, in my stage of my career, that I'd have a chance to be between the benches, which I was for about 10 games this year. What an experience for me. Uh, just loved it, loved everything about it, being ice level, uh, giving my opinions when they when they allowed me to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I always have opinions, Erica. Fabulous job in their first year. Um, so I think the transition is on and it's only going to get better next year.
0: I I do want to, since, you know, we have you here in the, the locked on Kraken studio. And I know that you. Have expertise and an interest in goaltending, and I heard you talking about, <laughs> you know, what Colorado might need to do. There's a lot of things I think that Seattle probably uh, is is eyeing for the, the the off season. But I would love yeah. to get your thoughts on on goaltending and uh, what you what you make of the really interesting, shall we say, goaltending situation as it transpired with injuries and COVID for the Seattle Kraken.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, I know I was a little hard on Darcy Camper of Colorado, <laughs> but I'm sorry, it's the truth. I, I was hard on Andre Vasilevsky, so in the in the podcast, and <laughs> so, you know he's the best at it. But uh, you know, I'm a big believer in Ron Francis as the Seattle Kraken GM. I mean, he spoke about it, Erica. You know this already. All the adversity. Uh, it's not cliche. It was fact. They had tremendous adversity with their injuries. Right off the get go, the most popular player, Brandon Tanev, see ya. Thanks for playing. You <laughs> didn't even play. It's just like, uh, oh my God, he was the fan favorite. And then, uh, and he's such a good kid too. He's great. Um, and, and so I was one of those people before I got sucked in before the season. I thought they were going to make the playoffs. I really thought, because I was a believer in that goaltending tandem yeah before the season began and i was stunned how bad philip brubauer was yeah. i i felt bad for him but he was still bad he got yeah, paid he's... all that money and he stuck. Yep. <laughs> and and then chris Dreger, who i thought oh he would be a quality backup he wasn't in enough to kind of get anything going and then he was constantly hurt and now he has that torn acl <laughs> and so The good news for Ron Francis is that, as you know, he's got the fourth overall pick. Sure, it could have been number one, but that's the way the ping pong ball bounces. (laughs) He's got the fourth fourth overall pick in the draft. He's got 12 picks uh, in this year's draft. So he can make some trades. He can be active in free agency. Remember, he got rid of tons of players at the deadline oh yeah and so you know and that was all good i mean i get that you know i just hope you didn't get out go out and get a mark giordano jersey you know but um you know so th- there's a lot of room to improve but this is not for Kraken fans This ain't gonna happen overnight it's, true. it's gonna take like three more years and the good news is they have like about 35 picks over like the next three of three years yeah so it's what he's gonna do with them. Do I want them to, you know, improve on this past year? You bet I do. I expect them to. There's not going to be any COVID excuse anymore, even though it did hit them hard and the injuries hit them hard. But they need to improve their goaltending. um, And they need, uh, you know, they might end up drafting that fourth pick. There's a defenseman. I can't think of the guys name Nemchik or something. He might be the the guy. Uh, I would take him because I'm assuming the top three will be gone. Uh, but if there is some kind of, you know, who knows something going on, um, you know, get ready to get one of those top three guys, you won't get Shane Wright, but the other two, um, but you know, so I think he can't, I hate to say it, but I can't get any worse, Erica, <laughs> it's not going to get any worse than it was. And I really hope Philip Grubauer got some help. I hope he lost weight. I hope he got, you know, figured stuff out with his goalie coach and see if he can regain some of that magic that we only saw flashes of yeah that's what bothers me young team like the kraken You need your goalie. You can't let it be a bad goal every game.
0: Oh, my goodness. I feel like when I play this for Locked on Kraken fans, I'm hoping that they are just somewhere either raging or just cracking up, hysterically cracking up, because if I don't mention at least five of those points every podcast, going back to my New York roots and ranting, oh, my goodness. Oof. I, you know, it, there was a one whole episode where I just was like, you know, you have to Wakanda it, Philip. Show them who you are. Like, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that resonated. I don't think it resonated to him. I'm still waiting for that to happen. Right. I didn't uh, it, yell it loud enough. <laughs> yeah, you didn't yell it loud enough. You need a messenger to get it to him. But um, you know, here's the so much. And again, try to find the positive. The building is great. Yep. everyone was blown away by the building, Climate Pledge Arena. That didn't. That did not fail the high expectations. Okay, yeah. that was great. We <laughs> believe in the building. Yeah, good for you, Erica. Speak <laughs> in your mind. Tell it like it is. Bring in that New York, you know, <laughs> that New York swag to Seattle. That's and, right. You know, I, and because you know, Seattle people are so damn nice and patient. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's see how the season starts, you know? Yeah. You know, but I just want to see improvement out of the Kraken. It has
0: to happen. It has to. Like you said, there's nowhere to go but up. And, you know, I (laughs) I feel like it was faded, right? The last time there was a Seattle hockey team, They were the Metropolitans, and then they let a Mets fan host Locked on Kraken. So I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you think about our Mets this year? They're kind of hit a skid now, but – Hopefully Scherzer and DeGrom come back and we'll be okay.
0: Oh, I would love to see it and you know very full and well, not only as a Mets fan, but as a New York fan, I'm like, listen, one game at a time. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> It's a long season, one game at a time. I've been here before. I know how this yes. ends. Well, Linda, thank you so much for your time. This has been just a bunch of fun, and truly, like I said, I, I, as someone who's now in the industry, have learned so much from not just your career but this conversation. But I, I want to ask you just one more question. When it comes to people like myself. And not just women, but other people coming up in in the game and and wanting to present the game to to new fans. Uh, what would you say is is one piece of advice that you think we should all bring with us as as we do hockey coverage?
1: Yeah, that that's an easy one. I mean, I always push for them to see a game in person. That's not original. That's always out there. It's a difference maker. Um, you know, that's how I try to get you know, I always make a point of saying, yeah, it's one thing to watch it on a screen, but it's another to be there in person. That's and then it. it's another to go to a playoff game. Ooh. So there are different levels. There's watching <laughs> it on a screen, there's going to a regular season game in person, and then there's going to a playoff game and then right. get back to me. And that and that's usually when they're like, and plus the whole in, in game, in arena entertainment is so much fun for a family. I mean, it's just great for kids. They do such a great job. Yeah, You know, uh, that has improved so much. The other thing that I think is really important, and I think the, you know, if I was like that commissioner for a day thing, I don't understand why I don't see more merch. (laughs) Oh, Uh, nice. uh, uh, Like in in airports, in everywhere, like in souvenir shops. Why don't I see merchandise, logos, anything with the logos on in their respective (laughs) cities where people are visiting. Tell me that, Erica.
0: I I mean, I don't know. Is that the humble hockey that we always hear about? That humble hockey persona that we got to crack through with our New York
1: selves? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yes. I think we need to do something. First, we need our own thought. We need to create some fun swag that we can do it. And, and get the NHL permission of course. But like, I can't tell you enough like of the travels that I have done and you go into a, an, an airport and into a store and you see, you know, every sports team except the NHL team, <laughs> that's gotta change. Yeah, I agree. I
0: love it. I did not expect the uh, we mentioned Sarah Spain earlier, but the Sarah Spain commission for the day. That was perfect. I love it. (laughs) I'm with you. Let's 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 see what we can do. I feel like New Yorkers, we can do anything. (laughs) And we do, too. That's that's why we get the you know, that's why we get the reputation we do for better or worse. We
1: can do anything. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's working so far. There you go.
0: There you go. 30 years in counting Linda Kahn. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations and I am excited for what comes next for you and certainly for hockey at ESPN.
1: Erica, first of all, thanks for having me. Continued success. Everything that you have accomplished, you did it on your own. You created it. No one handed you anything and I that to me is the greatest and and anytime you have an open invite to me because i just love the way you've gone about it thank
0: you i really do appreciate that